You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, a faith community that welcomes, affirms, and protects the light in each human heart, listens deeply to where love is calling us next, and with humility, courage, and compassion works to create a more just world. To learn more, visit us at firstuniversalistchurch.org. This morning, our hymn is My Life Flows On in Endless Song Above Earth's Lamentation. If you're a, if you're a hymnal in the hand type of person, the hymn is 108. If you're a look at the screens type of person, uh, the screens are here. And if you're a look at me person, well, I'm glad to see you. All right. We're going to sing this together, and we're going to sing it. Um, we're going to sing it in a bit of an alternating way. So, this side we'll start with: "My life flows on in endless song." You sing that, and you'll have a special part that comes next. Let's learn the parts together. Uh, would you sing with me the tune? If you already know it, it goes like this. My life flows on in endless song Above earth's lamentation I hear? I hear the real, though far off hymn That hails a new creation Keep going. Through all the tumult and the strife I hear the music ringing. It sounds an echo in my soul. That's it. How can I keep from singing? All right. Now, here's the other part. It goes like this. Sing, 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 sing. Sing, 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 sing with me. Sing, 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 sing. Yes, sing, 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 sing. Sing, sing. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's great. Yes. Now let's put them together. Will you start us, this group, with sing, 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 sing. And we'll join them after they finish with My Life Flows On in Endless Song. Sing, sing. My life flows on in endless song Above earth's lamentation I hear the real, the far of him That hails a new creation Through all the tumult and the strife I hear the music ringing, keep going It sounds an echo in my soul How can I keep from singing. It's a, it's a little tougher than we thought, right? Okay, okay. 
Now it's time for verse two. We're gonna switch. You get the tune. You get sing, sing. One, two. Let's do it at a little more merciful a tempo, shall we? One, two, three. Sing, 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 sing. Sorry. Sing, 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 sing. Sing. Can we get that uh, next slide up a little? Yes, it went dark. Yes, there we go, there we go. And now we have the words. What though? What though the tempest round me roars, I know the truth it liveth. What though the darkness round me close, songs in the night it giveth. Each storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love prevails in heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Yes, 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 good. Okay, now the beautiful part about the last verse is no one has a hard part at all. We just all sing the tune together. Got it? Yes? No, maybe so? You know, I, I didn't have enough caffeine for all this. this but, you know, I get it. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. All together now. One, two, three. When tyrants tremble as they hear the bells of freedom ringing. When friends rejoice both far and near, how can I keep from singing? Dungeon bar, our thoughts to them are winging. When friends by shame are undefiled, how can I keep from singing? Sing, 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 one sing, sing. Let's hold the last note. Sing, sing, sing. The saying, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, is more than a cliche. I realized this again during the pandemic when most of us went from freely gathering in public to being completely isolated. Attending live theater was a large part of my pre-pandemic life. Before the lockdowns occurred, I had been attending live shows three to five times a week. All of that was gone in an instant as my partner and I learned to shelter in place with our pets. I quickly realized that watching performances on Zoom or TV lacked the energy and emotional interaction that live performance provides. The feeling of sharing space with others during the same event, even though it's through our individual lens and life experience, had vanished. I had a lot of time to think about this drastic change during the lockdown. 
And I realized that attending performance was not just about entertainment and seeing my friends. Sharing space with others while enjoying and reacting to something together, while exchanging energy and attention with those on the stage is so important. The loss was devastating, and I'm not even including the financial hardships my friends and community faced. As I've been able to return to my theater-going ways, I no longer take these experiences for granted. Before any live performance, I close my eyes and breathe in anticipation for the experience I'm about to have and breathe out my gratitude for everyone who contributes to the event, audience, performers, writers, crew. My gratitude extends to our worship community as well. The grace of being able to share space, time, and energy with those around us is crucial to our physical, mental, and emotional health. As we come together today, let's take a moment to feel gratitude as we share space and time in community. Welcome newcomers, visitors, and guests to First Universalist Church. Your presence here is a gift to this gathering. We are so glad you're here. Welcome longtime members, new members, and friends. Your return blesses the community in its own wisdom. Each life gathered here gives strength to our common journey now and the living paths we take throughout our days. We celebrate you, we love and welcome each one of you. It matters to our community that you are here. I am Nanette Stearns, one of your worship associates. I am joined in leading worship today by Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout, Director of Worship, by Reverend Jen Crow, our senior minister, by Reverend Ashley and Allison, by Olu and John, managing our media and live stream connection, by ushers and greeters and artists who share the work of caring for our sanctuary space. And now, I'd like to invite your help to prepare the space for worship. I invite you to settle your body and center your mind. As you settle, take a moment to set an intention for this time. Just a word of how you'd like your spirit to feel or what you are hoping to receive in our time together. Focus as much as you can on your intention and your breathing. Take in some of the air around you and release it slowly in three meaningful breaths.
Breathing together, may we give, receive, and grow with grace, now and always as we gather for worship. We light a flame now, kept in a chalice. This symbol connects our gathering with Unitarian Universalists across the span of time and all over the planet. Reverend Jen will now light the flame. And I invite you to speak the words of our covenant and let our gathered voice be heard. Together, let us say, love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Over the summer, some of you were with us when Shelley, this is Shelley, by the way. Everyone say hi, Shelley. Um, Shelley taught us a song called Lone Wolf. And, um, and we had so much fun that we're going to sing it again. Don't worry if you don't know it. We're going to teach it right now. Okay? Actually, I'm going to help you. You teach it right now. Yeah. Well, I can. Is there anybody who remembers this song? If you're not remembering it, you oh, remember yeah, yeah. doing it? Yeah, okay. You're my ringers. All right? Hold down that section for me. So this song was a, a song gift that was given to me through a singing retreat that uh, my wife and I went on in... March of this year, and it just grabbed me, and it, it stuck in my head. It was one of those, it's one of those that uh, just doesn't go away, a little bit of an earworm. So uh, we're going we're gonna to teach it. I'm going to get some words up on the screen for us to help us with that part. Should we be up there, or should we be down here? I'm okay down here. Let's go, let's go uh, up yeah, here. Yeah, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask sure everyone. We're going to learn it first, and I'm going to have you stand up, because we're going to do stuff, too. All right, so, oh, you can stand now. That's okay. That's okay. Stand as you're able, as you wish to. All right, so the, we're going to do uh, me first, then you for the four lines, and then we'll put, we'll put them together. So the first line is, <clears throat> I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Now you? I'm, I'm not a lone wolf, and, and I, I never was. was. Is that a little low? Oh, we good, oh, we good. We're good, all right. I sing low, so I always want to check. Everything I achieve, I achieve it because. Everything I achieve, I achieve it because. I am standing on the shoulders. I am standing on the shoulders of an infinite many seen and unseen of an infinite many seen and unseen that one again i heard that too of an infinite many seen and unseen all right let's try to put some of this together we'll do two lines at a time Sing with me, and then we'll repeat it. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I've achieved, I've achieved it because. Okay, you want to go on. Oh, you know what? Let's just do that. Let's start again, 
and then we'll add the rhythm, okay? So from the beginning? From the beginning. <gasps> I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I've achieved, I've achieved it because I am standing on the shoulders of an infinite many seen and unseen. Now we're going to learn the second verse, which is similar, but has a different ending. Second verse. I'm not the same as before. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I can do, I can do it because. So achieve, and now we're going to can do. <laughs> Here we go, and I will sing the last two lines, which are the different ones. Uh, so we'll start out with, well, actually, I'll sing the whole thing. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I can do, I can do it because I am riding on a tidal wave of universal longing. That's my favorite part, is that cool little note at the end. I need that last one again. I thought you might. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I am riding on a tidal wave. I am riding on a tidal wave of universal longing. Okay? Or longing, you can bring it toward you, because it's kind of a longing. Or you can offer it to someone else. So we'll do that second verse one more time. Then we're going to add the rhythm. Second verse. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I can do, I can do it because I am riding on a tidal wave of universal longing. Here we go. So we'll start from the beginning. We'll go faster, but I want you to try out your instrument, which is right in front of you on the seat back in front of you. Okay, we're gonna do the simple version. You see, isn't that great? We have a drum right in front of us. So this is, we're just, we're gonna do a, a thump and then a clap. So let's do it about like, thump, clap, thump, clap. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I've achieved, I've achieved it because I am standing on the shoulders of an infinite many seen and unseen. I'm not alone. Plotty to you. I, I got dance in me. You got dance in you? Hey, lad, yeah. You got dance in you? Let's try it. All right. Let's, let's see what comes, <laughs> what comes out. What? <laughs> Boom. 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 I'm not a lone wolf, and I never. 
Thank you, Shelly. Good morning. I'm Allison Conley Vetter. I use she and her pronouns, interim director of Children, Youth, and Families here at First U. So excited to be here. We are continuing today a conversation about a kind of animal, it's an insect. It's displayed on the chancel. What is it? What is it? It's a spider! And where is it? It's right here. Who can see the spider? Here's the spider. So we're going to continue talking about this spider. But first, can I see where my kids are? If you were a child in fifth grade and younger, raise your hand. Child in fifth grade and younger. Now, if you're a youth in grade 6 to 12, raise your hand. They're my youth. And if you're an adult older than grade 12, raise your hand. Yeah, we're all here. This is a story for all of us. So who remembers last week we talked about how spiders drink water? How do spiders drink water? Yes, Aspen. That's right. That's exactly right. So they make webs. The webs have grooves on them. The water comes to the middle. Some kinds of spiders actually pull in the drops of water that are on their web. So the water falls like rain. Who's seen rain in the past couple days? Anybody seen some rain? You saw it yesterday? Yeah, same. So there's some water that's fallen on the webs of our spiders. And the spiders are thirsty. They want that water. They're going to pull. They're going to pull in the water. But I can't totally picture that. So I'm going to need a couple volunteers to help me. And I need two volunteers. If you want to volunteer, come on down. There's going to be other time. If you're up there and you want to volunteer, there will be more volunteer opportunities. Go ahead and head down. I need a spider, I need two spider volunteers. Can I get two, yep, come on up. Come on up, Nora. Two spider volunteers, all right. Two, all right, I need one. You wanna come on up, Nora? Nora, do you want to hold the spider or do you want to pull the water in? Okay, can you hold it really, really high above your head? All right, we've got a spider. All right, can you help me pull the water in? All right, come stand up here. It's heavy, I know. It doesn't look heavy. Now, I need some volunteers to be water drops. If you want to be a water drop, stand up where you are. This is round one of water drops. Stand up where you are. Stand up where you are. And what are you going to do with the water drops? You, you want to drink them. That's exactly right. And how are you going to get them to where you are? You're gonna pull them in, all right, all right. So we're pulling in the water drops. Come up here, water drops. We're pulling you in. We're pulling you in, you're coming up. Water drops getting pulled in up here. Here's some water drops. Yum, yum, yum. The spider's thirsty, that's right. We're drinking the water. How do we feel now? Okay, spiders, spiders, we've had some water. How do we feel? We feel good. Do we want even more water? All right, so now, you're no longer water drops, poof, now you're 
Spiders, all right? And, and what are you? What kind of spiders are you? Are you hungry or are you, are you thirsty? You thirsty spiders, all right, so what do you need? Water, okay, I need some more water drops. More water drops. Adults can also be water drops. Adults, children, youth of all ages. Youth, can you show our kids how to do it? We need some more water drops. Let's get 10, 10 people standing up to be some water drops. Yeah, thanks, Maya. Got some water drops, got some water drops, and what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with the water drops? You're thirsty, you're gonna, we're gonna pull them in. Come on up, we're pulling you in. We're pulling you in, you're coming up here. That's right, we're thirsty. We're thirsty spiders pulling you in. Pulling you in, pulling you in. Pulling you in, we've got so many water drops. So many water drops. Okay, how do you feel, spiders? Did you, are you quenched? Is your thirst satiated? I think it is, but what did we notice? So what is there room for now? What, yeah, Harry. There's room for more spiders and room for more droplets. So what did we learn? So when we pull in the drops, we make room for people on the edges. Can you set the, we're gonna set the spider down. It's, it's, it's quenched, the thirst is quenched. Spiders, are spiders satisfied? A little full, drink a little too much water. Now you want water, I know, we're all thirsty now. <laughs> well, but, so that's a good point. So now there's room. We have room for so many more drops of water. So what we are at First do is we're a community of people who draw other people in. But sometimes there might be people on the edges who don't feel like they belong here, or like it's their home, or like they're known or welcome. Why might some people not feel like they're known or welcome here? What might be standing in someone's way? I think our youth are gonna have some good ideas about this. Why might someone not feel welcome? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, if someone feels like they're excluded due to a disability, yeah, that's called ableism. That's totally right. Why else might someone not feel included here at First You? Yeah, Harry. Yeah, some people might have a tiny group or a clique, and they might not let new people in. That wouldn't feel very nice. Why else? One more reason someone might not feel included. One more reason someone might not feel included. Why might someone not feel, well, someone who hasn't answered yet, but you had a great answer. Afraid to be vulnerable. And so what are we gonna do? If we notice people who are on the edges of our community who don't feel included, what are we gonna do? Invite them in, we're gonna show me. Show me what you're gonna do. Everybody show me. What are you gonna do with these people on the edge? We're gonna, we're gonna pull them in. We're gonna pull them in. So I'm gonna say something, and I invite you to say this after me. Amazing job with the pulling. We are so hydrated collectively. Our thirst is so thoroughly quenched. So here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say something, and I invite you to say this after me, and we're gonna say this a couple times, okay? We're gonna say, may we always pull people in. And you say, May we always pull people in. We're gonna say it again. May we always pull people in. And you say, may we always pull people in. And now we're gonna say it really quiet. May we always pull people in. And you say, may we always pull people in. And how about next, how should we say it?
really loud? Should we say it really loud? May we always pull people in. And you say, may we always pull people in. Amen, and may it be so. Good morning. My name's Ashley. I use she, her pronouns. Have you ever been friends with somebody for a while or maybe even dating them? And they invite you home to meet their family. And then had somebody's mom perhaps pull out the family album and start telling stories. Yeah, and then this person you thought you had known all of the sudden makes a whole new level of sense. <laughs> for better or for worse, it turns out. You see her eyes on that grandmother, and you maybe notice that his whole family fights about what the weather will be instead of looking at the forecast. <laughs> I don't know, you're gonna, the, the world of quirks it's revealed. Have you been there? Yeah. So I just started taking a class on UU theologies, and it's like going home to meet your parents. <laughs> there are so many moments where I go, oh my goodness. Things are starting to make sense. Things I thought I knew about you are going to the next level. I am getting to know your theological grandparents and their arguments with each other, and let me tell you, we're still having them. <laughs> and I'm getting to know your spiritual practice cousins, and they are so lovely, let me tell you. In fact, I want to share an exercise from Reverend Dr. Thendeka, a UU theologian who I got to read some of this week. So settle in a little bit. Lower your eyes or close them. And listen to the sounds in this room. Now settle a bit deeper into your own body, into this space, feeling yourself being held up by the pew, and listen to your own heartbeat. Now shift your focus again, outward, just to listen to the sounds of this room. You can open your eyes again if you want.
If you're anything like the groups with whom Reverend Dr. Thandeka has done this exercise and a whole series like them across her research, you might have felt or noticed something different the second time around. Or you might not have, and that's okay too. But because you are you use, the way you cognitively make sense of that difference, how you make meaning of it, will have as many names as there are people in the room. But the core of the experience of listening to your, as she calls it, interior state of being alive and of connecting the dots between your mind and your body and then the minds and bodies of those in community with you, that is a powerful and transformative practice over time. That is the connective tissue, the groundwork, the web of connection we have been weaving. It is both scientific and religious, of course, and it is the way we change the world together. So let us listen to our hearts once more now. Eyes lowered and closed, if you wish. And from that listening, shift now to listen also to each other's hearts. As we pray now aloud with words spoken into this space or in silence, listening to whatever our own hearts are telling us. What can we hold with you? May we hold each other's prayers with sacredness as we sing together now.
We hold each other in care here, always in that interchange of giving and receiving and growing together. Together we engage in the spiritual practice of sharing our resources with each other. The spiritual practice that says together we have enough to survive and to change the world for the better. Love has that power to transform both the individual and, the soci and society. And today our offering will go to Side with Love. Side with Love is a public advocacy campaign that seeks to harness love's power to stop oppression. It's sponsored by the Unitarian Universalist Association and all are welcome to join in. This group works hard with all of you, leveraging collective action to affect change throughout the nation. Whether it's in voter registration or voter education, whether it's in making sure resources go towards folks who are seeking reproductive health care or gender affirming care, there are so many ways that Side with Love helps us to live into our collective values. So today, let us engage in that practice of giving and receiving. If this is a time when you are in need of support, please reach out to one of the ministers. If this is a time when you have resources to share, please do so for the greater good. Let's give as generously as we are able.
by these works of giving and receiving. May love grow now and always. Amen. A reading from the wisdom of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. These words begin his sermon entitled, A Tough Mind and a Tender Heart. Life at its best is a creative synthesis of opposites in fruitful harmony. The philosopher Hegel said, the truth is found neither in the thesis nor the antithesis, but in an emergent synthesis that reconciles the two. Jesus recognized the need for blending opposites. He knew that his disciples would face a difficult and hostile world where they would confront the recalcitrance of political officials and the intransigence of the protectors of the old order. He knew that they would meet cold and arrogant men whose hearts had been hardened by the long winter of traditionalism. So he said to them, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And he gave them a formula for action. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It is pretty difficult to imagine a single person having simultaneously the characteristics of the serpent and the dove. But this is what Jesus expects. We must combine the toughness of the serpent and the softness of the dove, a tough mind and a tender heart. I want to invite you into a song that's a sort of prayer. The song has two lines. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. Now that's the tune. If you're feeling in that musical universe, join me there. If you don't know, experiment. There are all sorts of options. Find the one that resonates deeply with you today. Let's try it again. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. Once more. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. Keep singing, if you will. I'm going to add another option and then another option. If that appeals to you, go ahead and join me. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. I will be standing stone I will stand by you 
Did that ring for anybody? I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. I will be your standing stone. I will stand. for the people who need to hear it today. I will neither thesis nor antithesis, but an emergent synthesis that reconciles the two. That was my experience, the harmonious synthesis right there. Last week, when we gathered, we began considering in earnest the idea of beloved community, a community that is ordered in love, and we also talked about how that ideal is the goal, and a goal like that requires practice if we are ever to live into it, even for a moment at a time. Beloved community is more of a practice than a destination. It's something we experience as hope and aspiration, and we might experience it in moments that have the power to change us forever. Josiah Royce, the American philosopher who first used the phrase beloved community, talked about beloved community as a community that is so rooted in love that this love in the community had the power to transform the individual. The love of a community could transform an individual, and then that individual would be so strengthened, so powered by that love that they would go out and change society as well. They would have the power and the freedom and the strength from experiencing that kind of love from community that they would be able to do something they had never been able to do before. Love like that could change a person and could then, in turn, change the world. We have opportunities to experience that kind of love in community in all kinds of places from all kinds of people.
in our lives. For some of us, it might be the places we hoped and expected it to be from, family, friends, church, other places and communities. For some of us, we have been hurt there, and we go on to create a beloved community or that experience of beloved community, that kind of love. We have to build it in other places in our lives. For each of us, that quest for that experience of love and acceptance, a love and community so deep that it can change us and power us to do what was previously impossible. That is what this quest, I think, for beloved community, the experience of it, is all about. Now, for me, when I am talking about an ideal like this or an idea, I have to bring it back into everyday life. And it's not hard for me to think about communities where I have experienced this kind of transforming, transfiguring, empowering, freeing love. For me, the first place I go to in my mind when I think about that kind of transformative love is a church basement. I was 22 years old. I was making my way through some seriously difficult times. I had just graduated from a prestigious New England college on a full scholarship, and I was in the depths of wrestling with alcoholism and addiction. I had been to recovery meetings before, gone to 12-step groups, made it through inpatient hospitalizations, and sometimes even managed to string together a couple of months without drinking. But I was struggling, and I'll tell you, I was willing to be open in whole new ways. Now, I chose this particular recovery meeting in this particular church basement very much on purpose. The group met there every morning at 7 a.m. Surely no one I knew would be awake at that time of day. But I was surprised every time I went into that space. There were at least 50 people in there, all kinds of people setting up chairs, making terrible coffee, making room for people over and over. And it was not a pretty space, I'll just say. <laughs> this church basement had the mustard yellow carpet we used to have here. Every morning I would watch ants crawling around on the carpet. Nobody had painted in forever. There was like a Greg Allman style, very white Jesus on the wall and cross-stitch sayings that I thought were stupid. So I wasn't feeling particularly open most of the time when I went into that space. We'll put on top of that, too, that I was, it was the 90s, and I was in my, very much, I had just come out as queer, and I was in the flat top, black leather jacket, motorcycle boots phase of that. And there was nobody in that room that looked like me. There were no other young women. I couldn't spot any queer people. I really wasn't sure that I could possibly belong in there. But I'll tell you that every morning I walked into that space and sat down, I took it as a win for myself. An expression of willingness, of willingness to be a part of something that might in fact offer some healing for me, even if I didn't trust it. Now it took me a little more than a week to notice that wherever I sat in that room of 50 people, and I often tried to sit as far toward the back as I could, there were two older women who sat behind me every single day. They just found me and put themselves there. 
Now, one of them looked exactly like my grandmother with the super long white hair that had been put up into a bun and held tight there. The other just exuded kindness. And they would chat with me every morning about whatever, mostly their cats or what they'd been watching on TV the night before, which was always wrestling, which completely blew my mind. I was like, I don't know who you people are, but I love you and I would like to be like you. And they were just kind over and over. They taught me how things worked. They showed me where the coffee was, where I could find the books that everybody was talking about, how to go pick up a coin when I was celebrating some time of sobriety. They were there behind me, and when I heard that I needed things, they helped me figure out how to get them. They were kind over and over and over. I attended that meeting pretty much every day for three years until it was time for me to head off to seminary. I did not want to leave these people behind, this room full of wonderful folks who I thought I had nothing in common with, but who turned out to offer me that kind of transforming love that Royce talks about, that kind of beloved community. I remember attending that meeting on my last day in that small town in Massachusetts, and the guy who I had looked at when I first went in, this giant man, a former Marine and you know, veteran of two tours in Vietnam, came over and slipped a note into my hand that said, we're with you. He said, put it in your wallet, carry it with you wherever you're going. I remember how on my anniversary of sobriety, every year after that, I would get a note in the mail from these two older women, how they would reach out and celebrate with me even after I was long gone from their presence. This love I experienced from them, from that group of folks, for me, it was an experience of beloved community, and it's one I've been trying to create everywhere I go ever since then. A love so strong that it has the power to transform us for the better. To allow us to have the strength and the power in us to move toward freedom, to create that, not just for ourselves, but for others. Now, like I said before, I know that not all of us have had that experience of that kind of love. Maybe not ever. Maybe certainly not in church basements or recovery meetings or in churches even. We don't all experience it in those places. There are so many times in our lives when we are greeted with rejection or isolation instead of welcome and inclusion and acceptance. Finding those spaces where we can create and where we can feel that kind of love, that is life work. Life work for each of us, the creating, the accepting, the giving of that kind of love. I wonder what is coming to mind for you as we talk about those kinds of communities, those kind of experiences of a transforming love. Where have you experienced that in your own life? Where did you hope to experience it and didn't? Where have you created that for others? I'm a firm believer that we don't have to experience that kind of community and that kind of love all the time, 
for it to stay with us and change us forever. Howard Thurman, the writer and theologian, one of the folks in the lineage, if you study beloved community from Royce to Thurman to King, Thurman said, a person must be at home somewhere before they can be at home everywhere. A person must be at home somewhere before they can be at home everywhere. That experience of love, of beloved community, it's something that we can carry with us, that we can carry into all kinds of spaces where we do not feel that sense of love and acceptance. And it can change us. To be changed, to experience that kind of love, welcomed as who we are, greeted with intention and openness and acceptance. When we are experiencing that kind of love, giving or receiving, we are creating beloved community. We are in the practice of beloved community. Now this experience of love, for me it points toward what King was talking about when he said that in order to practice nonviolence, in order to create beloved community here on earth, we needed to be both tender-hearted and tough-minded. Tender heart and tough mind. The tender heart, that experience of giving and receiving compassion and welcome. The idea of love in that tender form that can open our hearts to each other, to ourselves. When he talks about this kind of love, he says it like this. He says, when I speak of love, I'm not speaking of some sentimental or weak response. I'm speaking of that force which all of the great religions have seen as the supreme unifying principle of life. Love that somehow is the key that unlocks the door to an ultimate reality. Love as God, God as love. Love as the thing that has the power to change the world. This is the kind of love that King is talking about the tender heart paired with the tough mind. Like I said, the tender heart is present in compassion that crosses the illusion of boundaries. Tender hearts make room for us to share in each other's joys and sorrows. Tender hearts experience beauty and friendship and has that experience, right? When we are tender hearted, we have that experience of being an interconnected part of all life an inescapable network of mutuality, King would say, where whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly, where I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be, as he would say, and you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. My liberation is bound up with your liberation is how you might hear that today. The tender heart can give and receive the kind of love that I experienced in that church basement and that each of us, I hope, experience in communities all over our lives. But this tender heart is not enough to build beloved community, King says. We have to bring the tough mind as well. King describes a person with a tough mind as being astute and discerning, realistic, a person who examines the facts before they make conclusions, 
a person who can hold seeming opposites, thesis and antithesis, and find that harmony between and among them that they create. Tough mind and tender heart, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, finding the power in the synergy, this way breaking through the crust of legend and myth and prejudice, he says. A soft-minded person always fears change, King says. A soft-minded person feels security in the status quo, and they have an almost morbid fear of the new. For them, the greatest pain is the pain of a new idea, he writes. King believed in the power of reason and emotion, science and religion and philosophy, not opposites, but put together as teachers. It is tough-mindedness to use reason and facts to help us break loose from the shackles of prejudice, he said, from half-truths and ignorance. The shape of the world, King wrote, does not permit us the luxury of soft-mindedness. A nation that continues to produce soft-minded people purchases its own spiritual death on the installment plan. 1963. Creating and committing to living into beloved community here at church and in all the spaces of our lives, it requires a tender heart and a tough mind. A space of compassion where reason and reality and facts and discernment are expected as we practice welcoming all people and greeting them with intention and openness and acceptance. And here's where I will say something that might be hard to hear sometimes. When I lift up practicing welcoming all people and greeting them with intention and openness and acceptance, Here's what I want to be clear about. Welcoming all people does not mean welcoming all behavior. Welcoming all people does not mean welcoming all behavior here at church and in our lives. And I say this for myself and for all of us. A spiritual teacher of mine once used the phrase, I love you exactly the way you are, and I love you too much to let you stay this way. Holding the paradox, right? I love you, I welcome you, and I will help you grow into a better version of yourself. Author Tema Okun, who is known widely for writing the resource Characteristics of White Supremacy Culture, says it like this. They say, I lean on the words of the late and fabulous and fierce and funny Cynthia Brown, who told us with her last breaths that we should never throw anyone away. We should never throw anyone away, but this does not mean we can't hold each other accountable. Accountable being another word for supporting each other to be our best selves. We can set boundaries when people have not learned yet to take responsibility for themselves. We can apologize and take responsibility ourselves when we cause harm. And we can continue to grow and learn how to be with each other, even when we are getting on each other's very last nerve. This is the growing. It takes a tough mind and a tender heart to let in the facts of another person's experience of us. It takes a tough mind to hold open the possibility of another person's truth when the impulse to defend ourselves goes so deep. It takes a tough mind to look honestly at our own strengths and flaws 
at the ways we injure ourselves and each other to take responsibility for the harm we cause and to try again. Creating beloved community asks a lot of us. It asks for tough minds and tender hearts, a willingness to change and be changed, a commitment to welcome all people with openness and intention and acceptance and to hold boundaries when we need to with ourselves and each other. To take on what my mentor said to me, I love you exactly as you are and I love you too much to let you stay this way. The tension of unconditional love and the expectation of growth and change. Together we can create communities ordered in love that have the power to transform lives and transform the world. Will you be in this creation with me? May it be so. Amen. May you take the love and peace of this community out into the world with you. I offer you a few opportunities. Next week on October 1st, our chalice lighters, our young ones will be training to come light the chalice. Join us at 1045 to bless them. Head downstairs after the service and sign up to work with Habitat for Humanity. We have four slots still open for our October 11th workday and 12 for November 11th. Join us in all the ways we build beloved community. 
tough minds and tender hearts, all about change for ourselves and this world. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you've been comforted or inspired by this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org slash donate to make your gift. We'd love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.